Greetings, everyone, and welcome to May 7th. I'm not even sure what week of the lockdown and the pandemic we're in, at least as far as what was made, um, what we were made aware of. That's the words I'm trying to find uh, in terms of, of our lives being confined to our homes and uh, living in exile for a period of time and whatever that might be. So, Welcome to May 7th. It is my pleasure to spend some time with you. I am Dr. Ray Mitch. Welcome to the Love You Later by podcast, The Psych Monologues. Uh, it is a time for me to spend some time, uh, which it sounds a little redundant, but be that as it may, uh, it, it, it's a period of time, short period of time that I have to, to reflect on some of the major issues, what I've been referring to as kind of life lessons that um, I look back on, also probably think forward about as well, uh, in terms of just how we live our lives, how we relate to one another, uh, how loss fits in to uh, things. As you can tell by the title of the podcast, uh, I, I have kind of landed on talking about uh, loss and goodbyes and grief that we experience. Part of the reason for that is, is that quite honestly, I think when we grapple with some of the toughest things that we tend to, to avoid, the toughest things we, we can possibly talk about, we actually find more meaning in life as we live it and how we do our relationships. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross once said, if we live our lives as if we're going to live forever, then we can always put off uh, in time the things that actually bring purpose and meaning. So um, I, I've landed on that, and I will begin to unpack un, uh, that a little bit more further and fully as time goes along. For the time being, right now, uh, as we begun to roll out this podcast, not we, that's a royal we, as I become, uh, began to roll out this podcast, um, it, it has focused entirely on some of the major issues that I have talked about over the years with the students that I've taught uh, that I want to pass on and pass the baton to uh, the current seniors that I have been talking to for the last three or four years. Uh, just as a tribute, as a gift uh, for them to uh, take with them. Uh, I have no idea whether they're listening in or not, but uh, I have uh, done this on faith that at least some are listening uh, and they can take that into life and their relationships and things like that. So as I said, Dr. Ray Mitch, love you later by the podcast. I am a professor at at Colorado Christian University. I'm also the chair of the psychology department there. And uh, I have had the privilege and honor to be teaching there for uh, going on 14 years. And uh, it has been it has been a pleasure. In a lot of ways, my students have done a lot to uh, teach me more about life than what I am actually even remotely beginning to return to them. So I, I have what I've been doing over the last uh, 17, 18 episodes has been talking about what I've, been, I've come to call just lessons of life. 
and the things that I believe are are the most important when it comes to our relationships and and uh, things of that sort. And so yesterday I took some time to talk about uh, love flourishing and freedom and how important that is in terms of our relationships and our uh, willingness to let people choose, even choose wrongly, as, a, as an opportunity to, uh, uh, what do I want to say, cultivate or facilitate freedom in our relationships with them. Because ultimately, when people are free, when they choose, it has far more meaning than if I have manipulated them into it. So as I have been prone to do with these podcasts is that oftentimes I will open with a question or something that has been gnawing on my mind, which sounds kind of gross now that I say it, um, uh, that uh, I want to throw out. And that's something I want to start out with tonight. And then I'll actually get to to the life lesson that we were talking about. But the big question that has been rolling around in my mind of late particularly, like I said, of, of, of listening to people and, and doing what I would consider good goodbyes with various students and things like that. And that, by the way, is one thing that we have a, uh, a huge, huge aversion to, is saying goodbye. Uh, one of the most telling scenes of any uh, sitcom I've watched over the many, many, not many, but years that I've watched sitcoms and so forth was the very, very popular long-running sitcom called MASH. And in it, um, uh, Alan Alda played uh, uh, Hawkeye, who was a doctor in a MASH unit in uh, Korea during the the war, uh, the, the Korean War. And he had this wonderful sense of humor. And as they brought this sitcom to an end, uh, his friend and, and kind of te- tent mate uh, was, uh, was named Hawkeye. And as Hawkeye took off um, in a helicopter, heading off to his home and his family and the United States, all through that episode, um, uh, Hawkeye had a very difficult time uh, saying goodbye he had a very difficult time. Now I realize they used the, the name Hawkeye for the other one, and I'm I'm spacing out on what his name was uh, that the other character was called. Um, and uh, and Hawkeye is the the doctor that Alan Alda played, and he had a terrible time saying goodbye. He he just couldn't bring himself to do it. And so uh, when the last scene. Uh, BJ, that was the other character's name. I knew it would come to me. Uh, but when BJ was taking off, he looked down on the on the the ground, and what Hawkeye had managed to do is to shape rocks on the ground into the word "by." Now, while "by" is is a word we use rarely, oftentimes we'll say "so long" or "see you later" or. Uh, whatever, but we won't say goodbye, which is an interesting kind of phrase or coupling of words. But he said, finally said bye, and that was the end of the uh, of the long running seasons that, that were part of Mash. Uh, but the question I have, and I just took a huge bunny trail. My apologies, but um, 
the, the question I have is, is it okay to not be okay? I mean, is it okay to not be okay? And in a lot of contexts, we, we would like to say, of course, of course it's okay to not be okay. I mean, after all, that's, that's kind of the reality. That's kind of where people are. But quite honestly, I think in, in our culture of happiness and a culture of everything's going to be okay, which is talking about the future, it's not talking about right now, I, there's a lot of mixed messages, not even mixed messages. We get plenty of messages directly at us about that it's, it's not okay to be not okay. It's not okay to be that. As a matter of fact, we get mixed messages in the Christian community about that very same thing. Is, is that it's not okay to not be okay. Because you're not looking to the future. You're not what, looking at what God will provide you. You're not trusting what God has for you. But if that were true, and I, I'm not sure that I really plan to go off on this off-ramp, but I'm, I'm, I'm here, so I'm going to run with it as I can. But if that were really true, why, 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 in any, for any reason, would we have the book of Job <laughs> in the Bible at all? Because it is a book of, it's not okay. I mean, in a lot of cases, Job, Job's all of his discourses, all of his discussion, all of his debate with his, his so-called counselors, who oftentimes give counselors a very bad name, and that's just for free tonight. But in all of his efforts to say, it's not okay what happened to me. It's not okay that God is, it appears to be Unjust. It is not okay that it's it's that way, and it's not okay that I'm not okay. The problem is, of course, with that is that we don't live our lives that way. I mean, we we can't figure out the difference between saying, "Hey, look, it's okay to not be okay. It, it, it's okay to not be okay." Because it goes back to a previous podcast when I was talking about, I can't change what I won't accept. So if I'm not going to accept the fact that I'm not okay, then how in the world am I even remotely going to change that? So is it okay to not be okay? And I would say, to you tonight, today, tonight, whatever, whenever it is that you're listening to this, is that, yeah, it's okay to not be okay. It, it really is okay to not be okay. Not because I have, ex I have resigned myself to the condition I'm in or that I'm saying the condition that I'm currently in is, is okay, whatever that means or that I am uh, accepting in the common phrase of, of the way things are. Oftentimes when we, when we go about uh, defining what acceptance is, it means that I'm saying what is, I have, I have uh, put my stamp of approval on it, and uh, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna live here. 
And a lot of times people hear that. Uh, they hear that if they attempt to uh, comfort or support or say to somebody, look, it's okay that you're not okay, they, they are very afraid that the person will stay there. But the real, reality is, is, do I actually have the power to move somebody from that place anyway? And what is my best effort at trying to help somebody move from that place if I'm not willing to accept them where they are, as they are, <laughs> and then walk with them out of that place of where they are? See, that's the key, I think, of friendship is meeting people where they are, as they are, and walking with them out of that place. Now, that may be a very circuitous route. That may be a very convoluted route. And we may get a little annoyed because, after all, it should be taking a whole lot shorter and it shouldn't be this circuitous. <laughs> but... It's their route. It's their way out. It's not yours. And so it's a matter of how do I want to walk with somebody. So I would put to you tonight that it's okay to not be okay. As a matter of fact, my, my uh, greatest uh, possibility or hope of changing that is accepting where I'm at and moving into another place that is possible. So that's for free. Value added to a podcast, uh, which uh, I think for students that have been in my class, that is, uh, that is normal uh, uh, Mitch class stuff, <laughs> whatever that is. Uh, but I, I tend to uh, get captured by an idea or a thought, and oftentimes I will take a off-ramp, and who knows whether it turns into an off-road or into another scenic country road to ride down or whatever it might be. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, it's, it's some food for thought. So what was, the, what was the original intent of what the topic was going to be for tonight? And what it was, was something that actually builds on what I talked about in last night's podcast in terms of love flourishing in freedom. And, and the theme tonight is going to be that control and trust cannot coexist. As a matter of fact, if I say I trust somebody, but I spend all of my time managing and um, manipulating and uh, cleaning up and sanitizing their perception of me, then I don't trust them. I mean, control and trust can't coexist. The necessary follow-up corollary to that is that trust and risk always go together always if I'm going to trust somebody then ultimately I'm going to risk allowing them to be who they are allowing them to which is really big of me allowing them to think the thoughts that are really theirs allowing them to make the conclusions that they will make allowing them to use their experience to make those same conclusions. And ultimately, when it comes right down to it, if I am going to say that I love someone, then I am going to resist the temptation to try to control them. 
because of love and trust always goes together with risk, which is, you know, the bigger issue, of course, is how we feel about vulnerability. We love it as a concept. We hate it as a, as a rea- reality in our lives. Because if I'm spending all of my time in managing the other person's thoughts and perceptions, then it's not really trust. It's not really love. It probably is more likely to be self-protection and um, not giving them a whole lot to really build upon other than the image that I'm providing them which if you want to go back to the podcast in which I was talking about the stained glass self, when you have two people that are interacting with only the stained glass appearance of what the other person provides, then I'm not really in a relationship with the other person. I'm in a relationship with an image, but I'm not in a relationship with them. Now, the question that comes along with this is where do these things come from? Because trust and risk always go together. And I would suggest to you that they, again, and it's something that I was talking about and, and uh, expanding in last night's podcast, is they are embedded in God's character. God called us into relationship. Uh, another word for that would be he invited us into a relationship with him. An invitation inevitably means freedom because every invitation has two answers to it, yes or no. Now, depending on what kind of uh, invitation you make, we might say maybe. I mean, when I send an invitation out by, by uh, email or Outlook or whatever the email program I use, Usually there are now three options, right? Yes, maybe, or no. Now, in most cases, if we're really being honest, maybe is the diplomatic answer that actually means no. I'm just not willing to say it. But I think we have to understand that the the core of invitation, which is what God offers us in our relationship to him, also means the ability and the uh, freedom to say no. He didn't seek to control us. He didn't, he didn't say, this is what you're going to do because it's good for you, which sounds very parental. No, he, he gave us an invitation. Probably one of the most profound moments, I would say, in pointing this out is... Jesus' interaction with what, what was referred to as the rich young ruler, and he's walking along as he uh, did in his itinerant ministry around, the, the, uh, around Israel. And this rich young guy comes along and says, um, good teacher, <clears throat> um, what should I do? I, I have kept all of the law and prophets since my youth, which is, a a massively arrogant thing to say. So what is left for me to do? I mean, how can I follow uh, your teachings? And ultimately, Jesus cuts to the chase and says, (laughs) um, 
give all of your, your riches, give all of your wealth to the poor and follow me. Now, the young man had already spouted off the Mishnah to Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you spoke rightly. Uh, now, give everything, you know, give your wealth to the poor and follow me. And the young man is crestfallen and, and because he had great wealth. Now, what is key in that story is that the young man turned around and walked away. And Jesus did not chase him down and say, wait, 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 I'm not sure you heard me right. <laughs> let, me, let me repeat this so you understand it a little bit more clearly. No, he let him walk away. Because an invitation is all about freedom. And he gave him the invitation to follow him and pointed out the very area in which the young man was really not willing to negotiate. And the man walked away. Invitation and freedom always go together. Invitation and trust has always been connected to one another. Brennan Manning a, a, a very well-known author, probably is most well-known known for his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, but he also wrote a book called Ruthless Trust, which is probably one of the most ruthless books I've read. <laughs> uh, it's very appropriately entitled. And Brennan, in his um, somewhat subtle but brutal way of pointing these things out was talking about trust and it was always in the context of his own struggles and his own uh, life as he learned about that but he made an incredible point that I would boil it all down to and he said that the greatest gift we can give God is our trust and trusting his heart even though we don't understand the circumstances we're in which is really, really difficult. When di awful things happen, things we don't understand, and our temptation is to interpret God's character through our circumstances rather than understand God's character, hang on to the, to the truth that is part of his character and try to look at our circumstances through that. I have found time and time again that there is always going to be risk in relationships. There's always going to be risk in loving people, always. And if, if I commit myself to reducing that risk, which I might add is very much embedded in who we are as humans. If you watch all of our, for the most part, if you watch a lot of our behavior, it is all about risk reduction. It is not about risk maximization. <laughs> As a matter of fact, people that increase their risk, we shake our heads and say, man, oh man, that person is just nuts. If you go up into the mountains and do skiing around here, you'll see a few of them. Oftentimes we refer to them as thrill seekers. It seems like they're find, trying to find some way, and I'm not interpreting anybody's motives or anything like that, but 
it seems like they're looking for ways to penetrate the boredom of everyday life with a new thrilling experience that gets the adrenaline moving enough for them to know that they're alive. But the thing about it is, is that there's always going to be risk with love. There's always going to be risk with trust. And you know how I know that that risk exists? By grief. (laughs) Because the grief that I feel as a result of losing that relationship, even if it's temporary, it tells me that I have invested love. I've invested trust into that relationship. The one thing I'll leave you with, it, uh, uh, Leo Biscaglia made a profound comment that went into depth about uh, our efforts to protect ourselves and, and to reduce our risk. But he makes a, a, an explosive comment at the end of that quote. And I don't have it on me. I didn't really plan on bringing this up, which I rarely do anyway. But the explosive summary at the very end, which sticks with me right now, and that's why I'm bringing it up, is that the soul of love is vulnerability. And vulnerability is always about the potential to be wounded. And we avoid it at all costs, in spite of all of our rhetoric about being vulnerable, being transparent, being known, all the other things that we love to pontificate about, including me. I'm, I'm at the front of the list about that one because I see these same behaviors in myself time and time again. Opening, opening my life enough to, to be vulnerable, to have the capacity to be wounded by trusting another person carries with it the explosive um, Uh, opportunity to be loved as I am or it brings with it a massive opportunity to provide only enough to create the appearance of connection and still remain safe and that's that's the challenge of the day for us I think ultimately is is vulnerability just a concept Or is it a reality in our lives? And do we seek to control the people in our lives that we say we love? And if that's the case, then I would suggest to you, as hard as it is for you to hear, then I don't really think we love them that much. I know that's hard to hear. But trust and control cannot coexist. And trust and risk always coexist. Thank you for joining me tonight. I'm Dr. Ray Mitz. The podcast is Love You Later Bye. The the digital hub of our lives is is a website called A Dangerous Community, found at drmitz.com. There are a couple things to, to bring to your attention, remind you once again, we continue to look for people to partner uh, or I look for people to partner with me uh, to support and, and make possible uh, the silent retreats we offer at CCU for our students. 
uh, as I've been saying each evening, is a, it is a new but ancient way of connecting with God. And we make it possible for 10 to 20 students each year to go to these uh, silent retreats and, and engage with God in a very new way. Uh, it's not new in the sense that no one's ever heard of it before, but nobody has ever risked it before in trusting silence to help them hear God as he's speaking rather than through someone else. And I'm not just besmirching that as a possibility, but I am saying that when we go into silence and solitude, much like Jesus did, God does the teaching. No one else does. And I meet him there in my naked self and allow myself to be known as I am. And I thereby also gain the opportunity to know God as he is in my life. And that's what a silent retreat is really all about. The other things I'll mention to you again is that uh, please subscribe to, uh, to the podcast. You can either fi- find it at uh, raymitch.podbean.com. They have a wonderful uh, uh, podcast player there that you can um, download and use to uh, be alerted when I release another podcast. Or uh, you can go to my website, and at a Dangerous Community, and subscribe there, and you will be notified when a podcast is released uh, each time that I do one. Uh, we are heading into the summer months. I will be uh, rounding in and closing up this portion of the inaugural kind of episode season uh, with uh, some of the uh, some of the, uh, finishing up some of the life lessons I've been talking about. We'll turn our attention to more of the the uh, issues and and uh, things related to loss and grieving in life. Uh, and I I know that sounds like kind of a a real downer as far as content goes, but I think we might find more life in grief than we do life in life the way we live it right now. So um, it's three different opportunities for you to connect and and, uh, join in on uh, the party of one uh, that I represent with a podcast like this. Um, And uh, so please do and join me there. And as always, I will... uh, Hopefully, uh, see you next time uh, tomorrow night. I'll be here waiting. Until then, love you. Later. Later.